0: So I want to really warmly commend to you the Christian faith if that's something that you're checking out this morning. And of course for those of us who have decided to follow Jesus, all of those things that we find in him make it such a treasure to belong to him, to be part of his family, that we want to share this with other people. But there are challenges, aren't there? It's quite hard to share our faith partly because of the external challenges. Our culture is uh, not exactly you know, begging us to let them know all about our faith. You know, there's, there's quite a pushback that we can experience. And also we're very aware of our own inadequacies. When the thought comes that we'd, we'd like to share our faith with others, you know, <laughs> think of, well, who am I? How can I actually even do that? Now, some of us here might actually be evangelists. Are you an evangelist? Um, by an evangelist, someone who is a gifted evangelist, who's someone who has a demonstrated supernatural ability to have spiritual conversations anywhere, anytime. Is that you? How many, if you're an evangelist, you just have a demonstrated supernatural ability to have spiritual conversations. David Barry, you need to be putting your hand up. You are an evangelist. <laughs> yeah, quickly. <laughs> I think Miranda also has that gift. Anybody else here who would have that gift? I'd ask this question lots of places around the world. I find generally about 4% of most congregations are gifted evangelists. If you are a gifted evangelist, I'm not talking to you this morning. Okay, you have permission to check Facebook, do Sudoku on your phone, uh, you know, read the church newsletter, whatever you want to do. You can switch off right now, full permission. Because what I want to do is to speak to those of us who are not gifted evangelists about sharing our faith. And in this text that we had this morning from Colossians 4, Paul who is an apostle and is a gifted evangelist um, thankfully addresses those of us who are not gifted evangelists Uh, he understands that there's a difference here so there's a uh, have we got that powerpoint up is that ready to go we're going to see whether this technology actually works here we go I had the privilege of going to Fuller Theological Seminary. The president of that seminary for 30 years between 1963 and 1993 was David Hubbard. Great man of God. And he said this, Not all of us have the gift of evangelism. I admire people who can lead others to Jesus right on the spot. (laughs) Is that you? Uh, Who have the ability to turn any and every conversation into an occasion for sharing God's plan of salvation. I am not one of these. But... I have a story to share, and so do you. So, in this text from Colossians 4, I want to draw out three main themes of what Paul is saying to us who are not gifted in this way, but have a story to share. And have a wonderful saviour in whom we have found such wisdom and power and love. We, We want to commend that to others. How do we go about doing that? There's three things. Paul talks, first of all, about the stance that we are to have as we approach this. He talks about our actions. And he talks about our words. So they're the three main things I want to look at this morning. The stance... You know, In a lot of uh, endeavours, the stance that you take as you begin to do a thing is very, very important as to you know, the, the eventual outcome. Um, golf. Anybody here a golfer? Uh, I am, I'm not a golfer, but I understand that if you don't stand the right way as you address the ball, you're going to hook that thing or you're going to slice it or it's, it's not going to go well. You have to have the stance correct. We saw um, several penalties yesterday. The uh, referee was very uh, kind towards Rangers and gave them lots and lots of penalties. And uh, so I noticed that uh, as the, uh, the player was lining up, he had to get his stance just right to not give anything away to the goalie. And so just get your stance right and attempt to get that ball in the net. Uh, a tennis receiver has to stand in the right you know, part of that receiver's um, court so that they can anticipate how are they going to receive that ball when it comes over the net. Even um, in non-sporting things like dancing, you, you've got to start the dance in the right way, don't you? Otherwise you're going to tread on your partner's foot or they're going to tread on yours. So our stance as we approach this business of commending to others the faith that we have in Jesus, uh, Paul says, is all about prayer. Devote yourselves to prayer, He says. So this this kind of prayer that we have, uh, it has three qualities, devoted and watchful and thankful. It's devoted prayer because without God, you can't do anything. Uh, I probably don't need to remind you of that. You're probably well aware of that, that without God, you're not going to be able to get very far we really do need him. And so the, the kind of prayer as we have our stance approaching this business of, of commending faith to other people is to say, God, I'm yours. Uh, I can't really do anything without you, but I belong to you. Use me. Here I am. I'm devoting myself to you. But it's also watchful prayer because we're looking, as we are paying attention to God, we're looking for opportunities that he will bring. For us to be able to share our faith with others and that attentive prayer that is watchful what's coming I'm looking that builds up in us a sense of expectation it um, it gets us ready to uh, engage when those opportunities do come along and it's also thankful prayer because we review what God has already done and give thanks to him and as we look back at how God has been faithful faithful to us and all the things that he's done that builds faith for the future Because we know that as he has been in the past, he will be in the future and we can rely upon him. But this stance of prayer, it's not just about personal prayer, it's also about praying for others. Uh, So Paul says, and pray for us too. I think that reminds us that this business of sharing our faith is a team effort. Um, Sometimes when you're thinking about sharing your faith with somebody else, you're really going out on a limb. And it feels very vulnerable, doesn't it? It feels like, if this goes wrong, I'm just going to feel so bad. I'm going to feel embarrassed. Um, And when you're really feeling on your own, it's a much more difficult thing. But what if it was a team effort? Just as Paul has asked people to pray for him, what if we were to do that, to ask people to pray for us and offer to pray for other people as they're seeking to share their faith? We can really do this. Small groups are really good for this. I don't know what else you do in a small group and I do hope that all of you who could possibly be part of a small group are because I think it's such a great part of the Christian life. If you're in a small group, be offering to pray for other people so that they don't feel so alone and vulnerable about their intent to share their faith with other people and ask people to pray for you so that when the opportunity comes up, you know that you've got back It's a really great thing for me to know that today as I stand before you, and you probably think people who stand up here are terribly confident. Let me tell you, I'm shaking in my boots. Uh, I am full of insecurities and nervousness. But I know that I've got 40 people praying for for me this morning. They're on my prayer team. All I have to do is send them a a quick WhatsApp message and they will pray for me. That gives me a tremendous uh, sense like, okay, this isn't just me. I can rely on God to enable me to do what he's called me to do. So when when you have this desire, you really want to be able to share your faith with someone, probably someone who's quite close to you and dear to you. You wish that they could know the wisdom and power and love of Christ. So when you really want that to happen, get people to pray for you, just as Paul is asking them to pray for him. And he says, Pray... Uh, for us too that God may open a door for our message this is a great metaphor opening a door it's a good way to conceive of what's going on it's kind of like we're in one space and we want to get to another space but we need a point of access and in an architectural sense we call points of access like that doors If I want to get out to the kitchen, if there wasn't a door there, I'd have a great difficulty trying to hack my way through the wall. But fortunately, there is a door. There is a point of access I can get from this space to that space. Now, metaphorically, when we're in one kind of place with someone that we care about, our our relationship operates in this space, we would so love to get to a different space. We would love to be able to move the way that our relationship works into a different kind of space where we can talk about spiritual things. What's the point of access? Now, you can try and hack down that wall or you can get God to provide a door. God, give me a door. Give me a point of access. Something in the way that we relate together that can be a connecting place between this space where it's so empty and soulless into another space where we're actually dealing with the real stuff. You can't create that, I'd suggest. Maybe evangelists can. Maybe that's part of their supernatural ability. They, they kind of create doors where they don't exist. I don't know. But, but we pray that God will give us a door, a point of access to get into a different kind of space with our friends. And Paul is asking for this prayer when he's in really adverse circumstances. He says, um, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I'm in chains. Now he was literally in chains. He's in a prison with manacles on his wrists. Some of us sometimes feel like we are kind of in metaphorical chains. There are things that hold us back. There are adverse circumstances which we would say, look, I'd love to share my faith with other people, but this, 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 this. There's these circumstances in my life and I'm just really up against it. I've, I've got so many things going against me. Do you sometimes feel like that? Love to, but. And what comes after the but? That's your adverse circumstances. Think about this. And Paul's in Philippi, he's in chains. How does he get an opportunity to witness to the Philippian jailer? Do you know that it's because of his chains? The very, the very things that could have been seen as a, an impediment to him sharing his faith become the, the opportunity, the it's the, the, the door, if you like. The, because he's in chains, he's able to share his faith. When the earthquake comes and the jailer's about to kill himself and thinking, oh, everyone's escaped. No, we're all here. I want to suggest to you that the thing that you might be identifying as your but, the reason why you can't share your faith, could actually be a means by which you do share your faith. It might be completely opposite to what you think. I had a friend who uh, became uh, incapacitated, a motorcycle accident, ends up um, certainly a paraplegic uh, and even his upper body had some circumstances. Uh, you know, He just wasn't able to function like he could. And so he... Uh, he prayed about this and discovered that because he was at home all day and couldn't move around very much, he could get onto the internet and has begun an evangelistic ministry on, through Facebook and uh, all kinds of you know, blog sites and all that kind of thing. Far more effective in sharing his faith than he ever was as a fully bodied person. You know, I wonder what it is. What is the thing that you're thinking? I can't because... Maybe that is, is the bridge that God could use to enable you to share your faith. It doesn't alter the moral imperative. Like Paul says here, pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. He knows there's something that's incumbent upon him. This isn't like an optional extra. He really should. And friends, we really should. There's a moral imperative here. We really should share our faith so that's our stance in prayer our actions be wise in the way you act towards outsiders Paul says so um, if we've got our stance right in prayer uh, and we're looking for God to uh, open doors and got the team effort thing happening how are we going to act You know, people are watching you even when you're not aware of it it's kind of a creepy thought isn't it but uh, they are Um, even when you'd prefer them not to see you um, People who know you are watching. It's possible that St Francis of Assisi said, uh, go into all the world and preach the gospel. If necessary, use words. Now, we don't know historically whether he actually did say that, but it's a pretty good saying after all, isn't it? Go into all the world and preach the gospel. If necessary, use words. What he's saying is, I suppose, another way of that proverb that we've got actions speak louder than words or maybe the actions come before the words that's how people will read us they read our actions before they listen to our words well the outsiders here that Paul's talking about uh, are not necessarily strangers they're just people who are outside the family of god so they might be people who are very close to you but they're outsiders from a uh, god's family position so think first of all of your established relationships your regular contacts because that's where most effective faith-sharing takes place. And then you can think about casual encounters. I, uh, I've been trying over the last week to look for uh, opportunities, you know, practice what you preach, you know, so, uh, and uh, I've really struggled. In, even last night, uh, we were at the, what it, Craig Vack? Craig Vack? Yeah. And there was a fella at the bar there, so I am trying to engage him in conversation. I didn't get very far. I'm definitely not a gifted evangelist. But, you know, I was giving it a shot. <laughs> I was in Holy Island uh, on Friday and uh, at breakfast there was just myself and one other person in the hotel. So that poor guy got uh, my attention. Now I'm trying to find a way to uh, to talk with him about matters of faith. Turns out that he's on a spiritual pilgrimage checking out whether he's going to enter a monastery. Okay, so well, that, that was, uh, he's pretty, uh, pretty switched on to Jesus, and uh, so that one didn't go very far. Uh, and then later in the day, there was somebody in, in the bar, in the crown and anchor uh, on the Holy Island there, and I was trying to engage them in conversation, and uh, oh, that, that didn't work either because they were committed Buddhists and you know, talking about the crossing of chakra lines on Holy Island crazy stuff but you know, I, was tr- I was trying to, to do my best but sometimes uh, you know the the actions and the words just uh, don't get through but you've got to you've got to give it a bit of a go I think I've got a much better chance with the people who are much closer to me uh, it's people like my cousin Greg I, I'm, I'm really looking about a way that I can share my faith with him or uh, my brother-in-law Ross uh, they're going to be back down again uh, for a wedding pretty soon staying at our place I would love, Ross, uh, to be able to know Jesus. Who is it who's close to you? I mean, you could think about maybe sharing your faith with people who come through as tourists here or somebody who serves you down at the co-op or whatever. But who are the people you really know who you would love to share your faith with? Your actions can win a hearing. When Paul's writing to Titus in chapter 2, he concludes a little bit about there. He says... So that in every way, people will make the teaching about God our Saviour attractive. He's saying to Titus, get the people in your church to be uh, making the teaching about God attractive by the way that they act. We can win a hearing for the gospel that way. So how can we be wise? He says here, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Wisdom. Oh, should have been this, shouldn't I? Here we go. The wisdom that um, Paul's talking about here is not just being clever. It's not being uh, terribly erudite or academic because this is heavenly wisdom. It's not the earthly wisdom. So listen to what it says in James chapter 3. The wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. That's a different take on wisdom, isn't it? Worldly wisdom is so different to that. It's a matter of being you know, sharp and uh, you know, don't let anybody take one over you. You, know, you. you make sure you're ahead of the game. Uh, do your research. You know, know, know your target. All that kind of... You can be fairly cynical and yet be worldly wise. But the heavenly wisdom is very different pure peace-loving considerate submissive full of mercy and good fruit impartial and sincere that's the kind of wisdom that we need in this world if we had a bit more of that kind of wisdom what a world this could be exercising compassionate care to the people in need demonstrates the love of God in a really practical way and it cuts through a whole lot of intellectual and emotional objections people who uh, may not uh, be convinced by an argument about faith, when they see the love of God being worked out in practice, they've got no argument against it. They just know it's right. This kind of winsome holiness, it's not not moral legalism, it's just a really good missional strategy. Paul says, make the most of every opportunity. And these are the opportunities that we've been praying for. When our our stance was there uh, and we were looking for God um, to to open up doors for us, these are the opportunities we've been praying for. So they're not coincidences. When an opportunity comes along, it's what you could call a God incidence, not a coincidence. This is something where you've got a sense uh, God has set this up. This is now the door that he's created where there was a wall. This is my point of access into a different kind of space. I think God frequently gives us opportunities to share our faith. Um, But a lot of us aren't aware of it until later. Is that you or is that just me? I look back and I think, oh, I could have said this, but I missed it. Anybody else just, just reassure me. Yes, okay, good. So it is, it is most of us. Why do you think that happens? I really want some answers here. Just don't sit there silently. Give me some ideas. Why does that happen? Why do opportunities come along and then we miss it? <coughs> okay. Yep, indeed, that can happen. Yep, but what if you, at the time, you just uh, you've blanked it? Don't know why. Why do you, does that happen? Somebody had an, another idea there. We weren't keen. We don't. We weren't keen. We, we weren't keen. we, we, yes, okay, we weren't keen. The the real intention wasn't there. Yes. Yeah, so uh, there's a, la- a lack of faith, l- lack of expectation, yeah. I, I agree with that. I think fear is a big one. Yep. Yeah, well, that's true. So the other person may not be open to listen. So at the way the conversation goes. Oh, yes, okay, as yourself, yeah. So you may be too preoccupied. I, sometimes busyness, simple business just gets in the way. So busyness, fear, lack of faith. These are the kind of just everyday, you know, the stuff that goes on inside of us. We, when we get distracted, there's something else going on that's got our attention and uh, this quiet little opportunity comes up and the big distraction is taking all of our attention and, and then later on we think back and go, oh, Do you know there was an opening there and I just didn't see it? So it's up to us to actively look for and recognize and take advantages of those opportunities. Make the most of every opportunity. Dallas Willard says that we need three things in a situation like that. We need, uh, he calls it, VIM. V I M. Vision, intention, means. By vision, he means that you have to be able to see it in your imagination ahead of time, and then in the moment, actually have the perception to actually see what's going on, instead of just looking on the surface. Actually, really see and really listen, (laughs) Uh, perceive what's going on in the moment the intention is you've got to really want this ahead of time you've got to say if the opportunity comes I am going to grab this so it's a settled intention in your heart and then the M is means, what are the means by which you are going to carry out your intention will you have a story ready to share, will will you, uh, you know what you would like to convey to the other person is there some, some content that you'd be ready to say in just a few words, this is what I'd like to get across to you about what I've experienced in Christ? So these are action opportunities. Uh, we must make the most of every opportunity. Be careful in the way that we act towards outsiders. So be kind, serve, be patient. And i I, lo- I think it's important that he says make the most of every opportunity. What's the opportunities that you think uh, will have maximum? That, that people are going to see. Uh, uh, these are good, but there might be hidden opportunities. Things that um, you think won't really have any consequence. I think what the gentleman was saying up the back, you don't really think that you've, you've had any effect, but you may well have on the, the, just the little things. Particularly if the little, thing, the little kindness that you do for someone who couldn't possibly repay you and might not even notice that you've done it, but that thing may be noticed by somebody else. And then something comes from that. The, the last year, so we've looked at the stance, we've looked at actions. Now, words is what Paul gets to in the end. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So, this conversation, he's he's going to say that there's there's three kinds of things about these words. that They need to be gracious, they need to be salty, and they need to be appropriate. Gracious words, first of all. Let your conversation be full of grace. Um, In 1 Peter 3... Peter urges us to employ gentleness and respect. He says, uh, Be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the hope that you have, a reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. That means it's more than politeness. A gracious word can also deliver a powerful truth. Grace means that God's at work. It's taking your words and using them to really penetrate. And these Gracious words uh, may be spoken, but they may be written. Some of us really have difficulty articulating in the moment, like saying out of our mouth the words. We, we get all tongue-tied. But think of it as maybe this, the words could be texted. Just a little SMS to somebody. Maybe that is something that would be more accessible to you if you couldn't vocalise it. And then these words are not only gracious, but they're also salty. Um, Not sugar-coated, but seasoned with salt. Um, We shouldn't sugar-coat our message. That is, we don't create false impressions. Come to Jesus and uh, everything will be fine. Your problems will be solved. That's simply not true. It's bad to tell lies for Jesus. (laughs) We need to be truthful. Um, and have salty words, not sugar coated, but uh, coated. But it needs to be seasoned with salt, not saturated with salt. Remember my mum telling us the story of the first meal that she cooked my dad. She decided to do corned beef, but she did rather overdo the salt, and uh, to the point that dad says it was inedible. So uh, you know, young husband, he took one bite and said, "You know." all that hungry Claire tonight I think I, I just probably don't need to eat tonight <laughs> to put it aside and then of course she took a bite and understood why he wasn't hungry anymore you can overdo the salt has anybody ever put too much salt in a dish yeah it's it's incredibly disappointing isn't it because you can't take it out can you <laughs> when you've got too much salt in there it's just a disaster Well, sometimes we do that with our conversation with people. We're trying to express our faith, but there's too much salt in there. Just a little salt would be good. Uh, Make it tasty, uh, not inedible. We should arouse interest, leave things open for people to want more. And these words need to be appropriate. Um, Appropriate words that are responsive to real questions, Uh, Talk talked before about that bit in 1 Peter uh, chapter 3 where it says, um, be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that you have. I think evangelists tend to be able to just create these opportunities out of nothing. The rest of us who are not evangelists wait for opportunities to come to us. That people ask a question and we need to be ready to be responsive to that. So answering means to be responsive to questions that people actually ask not responsive to questions which we wish they would ask Uh, you know the difference and you know a lot of the questions that people are actually going to ask you about your faith when it gets to that point are going to be questions about you I know that there'll be sometimes people will ask the deliberately curly question they'll ask something about creation or you know how can a good God allow babies to die and all those kind of curly questions but a lot of the questions are actually going to be about you. How how does this work for you? That's what we need to be prepared to answer. But if you do get a tricky topic that you can't explain, what answer do you give then? Well, I'd suggest it's something like, um, look, I don't know the answer to that question, but I'd be happy to explore that together if you're really interested in it. How about, um, I'll do a bit of digging and I'll come back to you on that. That would be an honest way to answer a really tricky question. And then you ring up Dave and say, Dave, I've got this really horrible question. What do I say? (laughs) So there's our stance. And it's about our actions first. And it's about our words. It's about being ready to be responsive to the opportunities that God gives. And friends, I think we need to be really confident that God will give us opportunities, he really will, but you've got to be able to see it, you've got to have the settled intention that you will grab those opportunities when they come and be prepared. I wonder if you've got any, any comments or questions on that, Just because we're, we're going to come to a close in just a moment, and I do want us to be able to pray for people that we uh, would love to be able to share our faith with. But I'm sure there's a lot of wisdom in the room, I wonder if anybody would like to just throw in an idea, something that you've found helpful in sharing your faith with other people or a question that you might have. Because the risk is always that you're in church and you're not expecting to say anything out loud but you know, here I am, I'm, I'm throwing it open. Comments, questions? Yes, Ian. Yeah. I think he will. He's gracious. He understands that we, <laughs> we don't get these things right all the time. But I think he gives opportunities more so to people who are really hungry for them. And so, if, if we are faithful in prayer and say, Oh Lord, please open a door, I can't see a way through. It just looks like a brick wall to me. Would you please create a door? If He does create that door, I mean, we've got to be ready to go through it. Uh, I find that uh, I've come across so many footballers who make big bold statements about Christianity. Yep. But really, it's, it's, they haven't read Scripture. They haven't. Been the Basics, it's all second and third hand. Mm-hmm. They make big, bold statements, I and mean, when you gently challenge it, it falls away quite quickly, and you can engage in a conversation. Yeah, a gentle challenge, yeah. It's probably easier for an evangelist, but point taken, I don't think it's true. Somebody else, yeah, Martin. Yeah. and uh, some of it is just about being aware of what they're doing and yeah. um, for instance, um, one of my colleagues had uh, just done a master's degree and uh, he was really proud that he passed and I bought him a bottle of wine just to say well done yep. and he was bowled over by it and uh, that opened up opportunities later but uh, he was just amazed that I'd done that and uh, he took that over and told his why and uh, <laughs> just things like that and things that... Uh, Kindness. And respect, isn't it? Yeah, it's good. It is important to remember uh, to be like Jesus. Jesus showed such interest in other people. He wasn't always, you know, trying to (laughs) big note himself. I think we need to be more like that. Really show a genuine interest in other people. uh, Be loving and um, selfless. And that, and our people people then to be interested in us if you ask questions of other people about what's going on for them, at some point they'll ask questions about you and then you've got a story to share Okay, let's pray and I'm going to uh, involve you in this, I'm going to ask you to say out loud the first name the given name of a person that you would love to have a spiritual conversation with Okay, whether they're a relative or a friend or someone who's close to you, they really matter to you. You love them. And they're far from God, you would love to be able to have a genuine, open conversation about spiritual matters with them. But right now it seems really hard. Okay, so we're gonna pray for a miracle. Just call that person to mind. And I'm going to invite you to say that person's first name out loud and we will raise these names before God. Would you do that with me? Okay. So Father in heaven, now, we're calling these people to mind and we love them. But we've, we know, Lord, you love them even more than we do. And if we would love them to come to you, how much more would you love that? Oh father please give us an opportunity create a door where at the moment we just see a brick wall we bring these names before you now greg greg, greg. <laughs> father see our hearts open before you now You can see the intention that we have. How we would love to be able to have that opportunity to have such a conversation. We ask you in your mercy and in your creative power to open a way for this to happen. And Lord, give us the grace and the courage, the vision, the intention, the means To grab a hold of the opportunity when you give it. Lord, we're sorry for the times in the past when we have not taken hold of those opportunities. We confess before you, Lord, we've been distracted, we've been self-absorbed, we've been fearful, we've been just too busy. We've allowed those things to get in the way of your purposes in and through us. But Lord, now we turn around from all of that And we want to move forward in a much more positive direction. By your mercy, Lord, use us to draw people close to you. Help us to make the most of every opportunity. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.